This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Thank you for joining us here on 105.9 The Region. This is Where Parents Talk. My name is Leanne Castellino. You'd be hard-pressed to walk by a screen of any kind these days without seeing an ad for sports wagering or online gambling. Sports betting is legal and regulated in Canada. At the same time, it's never been easier to access platforms to wager on sports. Our guest today is an international thought leader in gambling, adolescence, and behavioral addictions. His research and expertise have informed and impacted government policy change. Dr. Jeff Derevensky is Chair and James McGill Professor in the Faculty of Education at McGill University and a Professor in the Department of Psychiatry. He's also the Director of the International Centre for Youth Gambling Problems and High-Risk Behaviours. Dr. Derevensky joins us today from Montreal. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to share what knowledge we have with your audience. You have been on the front lines of studying and researching this topic for decades. What concerns you most about the prevalence of sports betting and online gambling as we see it today? Well, we know that gambling in general has changed dramatically in the last two decades. Uh, We've gone, as you mentioned, much more towards online gambling. And now in Canada and across the U.S., as well as internationally, sports wagering has now really taken off. Uh, In Canada, the government has said it's no longer part of the criminal code. It's left the provinces to decide whether or not they would like to uh, engage in sports wagering. Uh, And the same thing is true in the United States, where they revised their national standards and state after state after state is now adopting sports wagering. Depending on where you live in Canada, the legal age to engage in sports betting is either 18 or 19. Is there a particular statistic that you can share on this topic, Dr. Derevensky, that you really think should give us all pause? Well, I think what's really important uh, for your audience is when we think about gambling or gambling problems, we typically view that as an adult activity. Yet we know the prevalence of adults with gambling problems, or we now call them gambling disorders, is anywhere roughly between 1% and 2%. When you look at younger people, those adolescents, we find anywhere between 3 and 4% are having significant gambling-related problems. And then if you take the 18-year-old adults and look at those people 18 to 25, they are amongst the highest prevalence of gambling problems uh, within the general range of adults. In terms of those statistics, as it pertains to adolescents and young adults, where does gambling addiction fall within the range of other behavioral addictions? So gambling uh, is one of the highest prevalence rates of potential behavioral addictions that we can have. And uh, the American Psychiatric Association and the World Health Organization have now not only endorsed 
gambling as behavioral addiction, but they now, the World Health Organization now looks at gaming as a potential problem. And what we've seen over the last decade is emerging between gambling and gaming. And most parents allow their children to play video games online would ever think without ever thinking that this is actually gambling. There may be parents listening to or watching this interview who may fall into that category of not really knowing what their kids are doing online. What is a reasonable starting point for them to look into and proactively prevent a bigger problem from arising around gambling addiction? I think one of the important things for parents to understand is that Children will often start gambling amongst their family members. And many parents will purchase a lottery scratch ticket for their children as a Christmas gift or as a special gift for graduation without ever thinking about that as a real problem going forward. Yet we know that the earlier people start gambling, the earlier young people start gambling, the greater the likelihood that they will have a problem. And we know that one of the big risk factors for a gambling problem is what we call an early big win. So if a young child has gotten a scratch-off ticket from their parents and they scratch it and they win $50, well, that may not sound like a lot of money to you or I, but to a young child, that is a lot of money. And that that enables the young person to keep wanting to play those types of games. Uh, during the Christmas holidays, we have an international campaign, along with the National Council on Problem Gambling in the U.S., that goes right across Canada, right across the United States, and in many countries around the world, urging parents not to purchase lottery tickets for their young children. And that campaign has been very, very successful in trying to minimize the harms associated with gambling. When you talk about an early age, what are we talking about here? Well, we know that young people or even adults, if you ask them when they started gambling, they will tell you often when they were nine and 10 years of age. They don't walk into a casino and gamble. And historically, they hadn't gambled online, although now we're starting to see more young people gambling online. But they do start gambling and they often gamble with their parents and parents are completely unaware that their children are gambling. Uh, I had a mom who called me one day at our center and said I was putting my child's t-shirts away and I found $500 worth of lottery scratch tickets in his drawer. Do you think that's a problem? And yes, that is a, a problem. This is where parents talk here on 105.9 The Region. We're talking about sports betting and online gambling with Dr. Jeff Derevinsky, professor at McGill University and director of the International Center for Youth Gambling Problems and High-Risk Behaviors. In August of 2021, it became legal to bet or gamble on single sports events in Canada. Can you tell us what has been the impact of that federal government decision? Well, basically what's happened is the federal government no longer included that as part of the criminal code. And they then allowed the provinces to decide on their own whether or not they would like to incorporate uh, 
sports wagering either online or in land-based venues or casino venues. And what we've seen is the vast majority of provinces across this country have adopted uh, sports wagering. When people say who's most addicted to gambling, I often say, look at the government. They're addicted to the revenues that are being generated. The amounts of money that are being generated for government are in fact astronomical. This is not just here in Canada, but also the United States and worldwide. It's hard to listen to the radio, watch TV, and not hear an advertisement for exactly what you're talking about, sports betting and online gambling. What do you think has attributed to those two items becoming so socially acceptable? Well, I, I think uh, part of it is that the government has said gambling is socially acceptable. And in many provinces, the gambling operations are owned and run by the provinces themselves. Sports wagering has been popular for decades. Uh, this is not new. What's new is that it's now legal to actually wager on sports in different provinces. So what we've noticed is that many government agencies now would like to regulate the sports wagering. And in order to do that, some of them have uh, allowed other private enterprises to come in and operate the sports wagering. And what we've seen is that these companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars advertising because what they want you to do is they want you to sign up for their website. And as an incentive, they will often give you free money in order to wager on sports. Along those lines, we see lots of sports celebrities in particular, both current and retired athletes, Wayne Gretzky, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid come to mind, promoting sports betting. What's the impact of using these types of celebrities and names to promote sports wagering and online gambling? Yeah, I mean, we're very concerned about that. Uh, we're concerned because we know these are athletes or former athletes who young people have looked up to and they will sell lots of products over the internet they will sell lots of products online and as a result many young people will actually want to emulate and adhere to what they're suggesting uh, the ontario government is now looking at whether or not these people should be allowed to do this uh, what's interesting to me as well is you don't see any sports celebrities and many of them have their own gambling problems, say advocating non-gambling or restraining their gambling, or in terms of trying to develop more effective what colleges refer to as harmonization procedures. What should a parent do if they suspect that their child may have some kind of problem with online betting and gambling? Well, I, I mean, the good news on many of these sites for young people, adolescents in particular, is that you really need a credit card in order to gamble. Uh, and most young people don't have a credit card or adolescents typically don't have a credit card until they get older and then they may go off to university. But what parents should be doing is making sure that their children are not being encouraged to gamble that we're not giving them lottery tickets. We're not get, we're not encouraging them to use our credit cards, which many parents will do, 
in order for ch children to actually uh, gamble on sports. And I think we should also be monitoring our children, watching what they're doing. Uh, and when they're watching a, a football game or a hockey game, and they get overly excited about some player, this is this may be because they have a gambling problem. So I think parents really need to monitor the amounts of money that they also have access to. If a parent has figured out that potentially their child has a problem with online uh, betting and gambling, what should their first step be? Who should they go to see to, to seek help? Well, I think most of the provinces have a facility or multiple facilities for dealing with gambling problems. Typically, young people don't present themselves in the same way as an adult with a gambling problem. So an adult with a gambling problem uh, may have a spouse or a partner who says, if you don't go for help, then we're, our marriage or our living situation is over. Whereas young people don't believe they have a problem. Many people will send adults to Gamblers Anonymous. These are self-help groups. Young people tend not to like to go to those groups because they say, I have nothing in common with those older people. Uh, they talk about how they lost their job, how they lost their family, how they lost their home. I still live at home. I don't have any uh, girlfriends or boyfriends yet. And so I'm not like those people. And so they don't typically do well in those self-help groups for adults. Time for a short break. Our conversation about the impact of online betting and sports gambling with Dr. Jeff Derevensky will continue here on Where Parents Talk in a moment. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. In 2022, Ontario launched a new internet gaming or iGaming market, allowing players to play sports bets or play internet casino games on approved and regulated websites. One year after those gaming websites went live, the iGaming market in Ontario recorded more than $35 billion in total wagers and $1.4 billion in total revenue, putting it among the top five gaming jurisdictions on the continent. Our guest, Dr. Jeff Derevinsky, is a leading global expert in the area of gambling, adolescence, and behavioral addictions. Now, you referenced earlier that in the last 10 years, the number has really skyrocketed across what we're talking about here. What do you attribute that to specifically? And what kind of role, if any, does social media play in that? Well, social media plays a huge role. Uh, just like you can't turn on a radio or a television without seeing a gambling ad, the same thing is true on social media sites. Uh, children are bombarded with uh, gambling advertising uh, by the various gambling operators or even our governments. And so that becomes a, a major problem. 
gambling has become socially accepted. Uh, and in fact, the industry, the gambling industry doesn't even like to use the word gambling anymore. They like to say it's gaming because gambling still has a few negative connotations. Gaming is fun and entertainment, and that's what they're trying to sell. Could you paint for us a picture of some of the short-term and long-term effects of aggressive advertising on young people, as you've you've outlined it, and the onset of addictive behaviors? Yeah, I think that's the, the key factor is the onset of the addictive behavior or potentially addictive behavior. It's important to remember, while I gave the prevalence rates earlier, the vast majority of young people gamble. It's that three to 4% that have a gambling problem, but you can't have a gambling problem if you're not gambling. So gambling is on a continuum going from occasional, rec what we often refer to as recreational gambling to at-risk gambling, where young people are starting to show signs of gambling-related problems, to finally looking at disordered gambling. And what we know is that these advertisements are designed to get people introduced to gambling. And so if we can introduce an individual to gambling, and in some circumstances uh, where we have what we refer to as social casino games, where you can play these games for free and you earn points and sometimes even earn rewards, uh, what we know is that the payout rates on those sites are very different. So if you're playing a, a fun game uh, of blackjack or a fun game of sports wagering, and you're winning these extra points or these chips, it only stands to reason that what goes through your mind is, had I been playing for real money, look at how much money I would have won. And so these advertisements are really designed to encourage people to sign on to their websites, to get engaged in sports wagering. They're not trying to create gambling problems, but ultimately there's going to be a percentage of the population that actually does have a gambling problem because they first started online. What do you say to parents who say, you know what, it's harmless, he or she is young, they enjoy sports, uh, it's not going to become a problem? Like, what would you say to them to, to kind of warn them and potentially have them be proactive about it not becoming a problem? Yeah, I, you're quite correct. Uh, most parents don't see this as a potential problem. And part of the reason for that is we all have a stereotype uh, vision of what a problem gambler is. It's typically uh, a male who used to be a horse race player, but now much more likely to be a casino player or card player. Uh, and nowhere in there do you hear the word teenager. Yet we know that teenagers have more gambling problems and they saw it doing poorly academically. They, uh, because they become preoccupied with their gambling. And they start not only becoming preoccupied, but they start losing interest in other areas that they normally had fun doing. They often become social isolates. They only associate with other people who are gamblers. Uh, their quote unquote good friends no longer want to deal with them. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and all these things lead to other kinds of problems later on. 
with some of them, some young people getting involved in criminal activity. This is where parents talk here on 105.9 The Region. We're talking about sports betting and online gambling with Dr. Jeff Derevinsky, professor at McGill University and director of the International Centre for Youth Gambling Problems and High-Risk Behaviours. Dr. Derevinsky, we've talked about the fact that you've been a leader in this space for decades now. Is there an anecdote in particular that you experienced that deeply impacted you? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple. They tend to be amongst a little older groups uh, of people. But I had a sports announcer in Montreal who worked for a radio station that all they did 24-7 was sports. And he said, I know everything about sports. That's my business. It's my business to know who's injured, who's successful, who's not successful. And on one Sunday, he lost 11 out of 12 games. He lost $100,000. And he said, had a monkey been betting, throwing darts at a board, the monkey would have done better than I would have done. So that's one example. Another example, I had a young man who was a CEO of a very large corporation, a very bright young man, uh, who had to travel uh, frequently because of business. And he would not get on an airplane that didn't have Wi-Fi because he couldn't place his wagers and also follow the scores during the the flight. So as you look out at this landscape and where we are with everything you've described, social media, you know, the advertising, et cetera, et cetera, like what does the short term and the long term look like in your view where it concerns youth and sports betting? So one of the things that we've argued with uh, government in terms of prevention programs is to try to look at this from a mental health perspective. And if we can get government to introduce pieces of gambling in their mental health curriculum, that would be very, very important. I had a young man tell me he was really angry with his school. He was a high school student. He said, I said, why are you so angry? He said, you know, they taught me about drugs. They taught me about unprotected sex. They taught me about uh, substance use. Why didn't anyone ever say gambling can get out of control? So, Dr. Derevinsky, where do we go from here? Where should we be going from here? Well, I think parents uh, should be monitoring their children's gambling behavior. I don't think they should be uh, encouraging them to gamble until they're of legal age, and not only legal age, but their level of uh, their ability to determine the amounts of money that they will spend on gambling uh, are, in fact, reasonable amounts of money. And I think at the same time, we need to encourage our government officials and our education people to try to institute gambling prevention programs in our schools. We did a series of studies, not only in Canada, but internationally. We asked parents to identify amongst 13 potentially problematic adolescent behaviors, which ones they were most concerned about. And the one that they were least concerned about was gambling. So we said, you know what, maybe we should ask teachers because they see a wide range of children. And so we asked teachers the same question and teachers, the the least 
problematic behavior, only 20% of teachers said that this could become a problem. So we then went to mental health professionals and we asked them the same question. Once again, gambling is the least potentially problematic behavior, much more interested in drug use, alcohol, drinking and driving, uh, excessive gaming online. And But the good news on all the, those studies, and we've done them here in Israel, in Europe, in the United States, is that each of those groups, parents, teachers, mental health professionals say, we'd like to learn a lot more about gambling. And so I think it's incumbent upon parents also to recognize that this can become a problem. Dr. Jeff Derevensky, Director of the International Center for Youth Gambling Problems and High-Risk Behaviors, thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. My pleasure. Be sure to watch the full video interview with Dr. Derevensky and learn about resources to support online sports betting at whereparentstalk.com. We always look forward to hearing from you. Email info at whereparentstalk.com with your story ideas or questions. That is our time for now. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Leanne Castellino. Hope you'll join us next time. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.